Welcome to Dwell Church as we continue our series of talks called Come to Your Senses. This series, we've been looking at each of our five physical senses, and Pastor Eric and I have been using them to explain the importance of the value of church and with our community and in person. Each week, we'll take one of the five senses in the human body and open up an opportunity Dwell has in Omaha and with its people. So far, we've covered touch, and we've talked about how to embrace people who are coming home to God. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about taste and communion with God. This week, we're talking about sight. And to be honest, this is kind of a sore subject in our house. I know y'all have seen Pastor Eric walking around with his glasses on. Can I tell you a secret? They are fake. They're fake. He has nearly perfect vision, yet he's desperate for glasses. Me, on the other hand, I was put into bifocals at the age of 15. And steadily since then, my eye doctor has been trying to inch me into trifocals. Eric likes to make fun of me because if I don't have my glasses on, I can't even properly navigate Netflix from the couch. I make him read to me what the episode descriptions are or titles to make sure I'm picking the right one. That's actually a good illustration of what I want to talk to in this message today about when we can see clearly and when we can't. And this message, if you're taking notes today, is called Provision. Provision. God, I pray that you would be showing vision to people today, that they would be able to see your heart clearly, that they would be able to see your desired path for their life clearly, that you would be speaking to dreams and so many different things we want to achieve in life, God, that you would give us clarity on the path you've set out. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I want to start off this morning to do a little bit of myth busting because we've all heard about 2020 vision, right? It's the thing that we're trying to attain. When we go to the eye doctor, it's the report we want to come home with. But can I tell you something? 2020 vision and perfect vision are not actually the same thing, Eric. 2020 vision simply means your vision is normal, normal. Or more specifically, it means that when you are standing 20 feet away from the piece of paper that has the little letters on it, you can successfully read the letters that you should be able to read from 20 feet away. That's literally all it means. It's a bit anticlimactic, isn't it? The best human eyes can achieve is maybe 2010 or maybe in very few instances and like with LASIK, 28 has been reported. In fact, even good old eagle eyes that we, you know, talk about and epitomize as the best eyes ever are only 25. You can do something like LASIK to better your vision, but you still won't achieve perfection. You can treat your eyes poorly or, hey, you get an injury and your vision can get worse. Or you can do nothing and hopefully everything stays perfectly still. So those of you, again, Eric, with 20-20 vision who keep saying you're perfect, I'd like you to know 
Your vision ain't perfect. It's just good. And I think there's some similarities between the vision of our eyesight and our life vision. This is a vision that you have for your life is how you expect it to turn out at the end of your life. So this can look like I I want a good family or I want to get married. I want a satisfying career. I want, you know, three kids and a dog and the house with the white picket fence. Um, I want to have accomplished these three things in my life. Whatever your vision may be, the hard reality that we all face in life is that there is no perfect vision because really life happens and we can't prepare for what we don't know about. So you can have all the best laid plans and the best vision, but the twists and turns of life are going to happen. I'm reminded of a personal vision that God shared with me a few years ago as we were praying into downtown Omaha and the vision he has for it. It's a vision of the history of the current and the future of Omaha depicted along a single street here in Omaha, 24th Street. Did you know that this is the only street in Omaha that runs completely from the south of downtown to the north of downtown without interruption? If you start in South Omaha, you are immediately immersed in Latino culture. As you continue further towards downtown, you're going to pass over an interstate that connects this great street to the rest of the city, the the rest of the world. And then you'll travel through this area that's a little more run down, a little more forgotten. Um, It's actually pretty well known as a thoroughfare for human trafficking and a popular hangout for Omaha's homeless community. Moving ahead, you see a blending of the old and new. There's some small businesses, some revitalized buildings, some new construction, and you'll even pass a high rise or two, housing some of Omaha's best views and some of its most elite residents. As you continue north, you're going to get to Creighton campus, and it's just brimming with life, this college environment where there's so much opportunity and excitement and eagerness just to tackle everything that life has to offer. And then finally, you'll enter into North Omaha, and this is a place so full of history, unfortunately full of a lot of tragedy, and today full of a ton of celebration of Black Omahans. This is the 24th Street that we all know today. What you might not know is that the original vision of 24th Street was similar but different in a lot of ways. 24th Street was the location of dozens of businesses Bakeries, clothers, groceries, drugstores, laundries. It was like a main hub. There were also synagogues and churches and mortuaries along the street. It became prominent as a center of Jewish life in the 1870s. And then real life happened. On Easter Sunday, March 23rd, 1913, four F4 tornadoes touched down in Omaha and decimated. 24th Street. The businesses were all gone. An estimated 168 people were killed. This is the largest of four, the the largest of four tornadoes stretched a quarter mile in diameter. That's just one of the four was a quarter mile long. 
To this day, it still holds the record as the most violent tornado attack ever to occur in the Midwest. Things were never the same after. In the aftermath of this tragedy, the African-American population doubled in size. We became the third largest population of African-Americans in the United States. Omaha's working class whites showed a great hostility to the black workers. Feeling their jobs were threatened during a strike. A race riot occurred in Omaha in September of 1919. The riot resulted in the violent lynching of a man named Will Brown, who was a 41-year-old black man accused of raping a white girl. This was seemingly all that the banks, businesses, and politicians run by the white working class needed in order to justify redlining all of the black community of Omaha into North Omaha. Even today, though the law no longer allows for redlining to remain, to this day, black communities of Omaha face cultural restrictions. From one end to the other, this road is rich with history, struggles, tension, tragedy, and celebrations of many cultural groups. Right now, in so many spaces, 24th Street is in a season of revitalization and growth. And in many areas, it's looking ahead to a bright future representing many different types of people living different lives, but all unified by this one strip of pavement. I believe God showed me this picture of 24th Street those years ago because it's the perfect depiction of the success and tragedies that make up the history and the future of Omaha. But I also think it is the perfect depiction of why a savior is so badly needed in this city. Why do I tell you all this? Because our personal vision isn't enough to save us from the tragedies of this world. We need a God sized vision to come and free us. This reminds me of a group of people in the Bible who experienced a similar ups and downs and tragedies. From the time the nation of Israel, which was God's chosen people, they were enslaved by oppressive rulers. To do an incredibly brief recap of this large chunk of the Bible and this nation of people, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt under Pharaoh. Pharaoh was an incredibly cruel leader, seemingly determined to make their lives miserable. He was threatened by the sheer number of Israelites, and in order to keep their population under control, he ordered them to be worked ruthlessly through hard service. He even went as far as to order the midwives to kill every new Israelite baby boy. A boy named Moses was born at this time, and to keep Moses safe, his mother placed him in a basket in the river 
to hide him. He ended up being rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, and he grew up in the Egyptian palace. Fast forward, Moses grows older, murders an Egyptian, and tries to hide it. He fails to hide it, so he runs away to a foreign land where he marries, he has kids, and he becomes a shepherd. One day, Moses was out in a field caring for his sheep. It was an ordinary day, and he was doing an ordinary task, when all of a sudden he was given a God-sized vision. Exodus 3, 2-3, and then we skip to 7 and 8. There was an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. How amazing is this? Here's God ready to rescue the Israelites from the torture and the despair they have been experiencing for so many years. This is a true God-sized vision. In front of Moses and his people is the seemingly impossible task of finding freedom. It is truly impossible unless God intervenes. Moses was about to learn the hard way that a God-sized vision requires action. God continues by saying in verse 9, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Moses was at a crossroads. A vision had been laid out in front of him. A pretty big vision. He could move it forward or he could stay still. Moses was reluctant. He felt underqualified. He felt under-resourced. And he was right. But he had a God-sized vision in front of him. Free a nation of people from an oppressive ruler. Move them across an entire desert and into the land that had been promised to them by their forefather, Abraham, hundreds of years earlier. Seems a little intimidating, right? It's not this small thing. In fact, Moses says back to God, Who am I? Who am I? Many of us, I think we've been at similar crossroads types Moses. Moses had a choice. He could choose to freeze or he could choose to go. The task in front of him was certainly impossible. Moses begins coming up with every excuse he can think of to go to back out of what's ahead of him. But God doesn't give up the way we do. Moses asks him, who am I to carry out this task? If Moses was to accomplish this vision on his own, it would be impossible. But God. But God. 
His response to Moses was, I will be with you. A God-sized vision's success is not up to you, but the beginning is. You don't need to complete it, but you need to start it. You need to move. As Moses accepts this vision and decides to move it forward, the first step God directs him in is to bring others up to speed. As a God-sized vision begins to unfold, this one in particular will impact an entire nation. So more and more people will need to be involved. God sends Moses first to the elders and instructs, instructs him with the elders to approach Pharaoh with a request. A God-sized vision requires many people to play their part. As the story unfolds, more and more people become involved, and eventually there is an outright duel between God and Pharaoh. After this series of plagues, there is a last stand kind of moment, and it's the time that every single Israelite has to get involved in order to fulfill the God-sized vision towards freedom. No longer is it just Moses or just Moses and the elders that needs to move, but now everyone needs to move in order for this God-sized vision to go forward. Let me stop for just a second because I think it is right here where vision so often stops. God delivers dreams individually, but they are acted out corporately. But the danger of handing responsibility of your vision over to others is, what if they fail? When it was just me and I failed, it was just on me and I didn't need to be disappointed with anybody or I didn't need to be frustrated. But now I need other people to succeed. I need other people to move it forward. When the Israelites finally reach the promised land, what's supposed to be the fulfillments of this long, several years, God-sized vision we've been talking about, Moses sends spies out to scout the land, and they come back with this. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Two of the spies thought this was manageable, but the other 10, they say this. The other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. 10 out of 12 said it was impossible, but there were two that believed. This is really important here because there's only a few things that can truly stop vision. All the Israelites can see is what they don't have. They don't have enough weapons. They don't have enough height. They don't have enough muscle. They don't have enough people. They miss what they do have when they're reviewing everything through lack. You see, lack of provision will lead to division. Let me remind somebody listening right now of what we said earlier. But 
God. God says, I will be with you. God says, you take a step and I will take a step with you. I will match you and I will multiply you and I will send more people and I will send more money and I will send more weapons and I will send more resources and you, my people, will enter into the land flowing with milk and honey. But only if you move. What would you think if I told you that God has a similar vision for the city of Omaha? What would you think if I told you that you have a part to play? God shared a vision with Pastor Eric and I more than 10 years ago. It's taken so many twists and turns and we've pulled others into the vision from time to time. And I I even think once or twice we thought we had fulfilled it but we are still moving. Slowly for several years, God has been softening and steadying and building up our hearts for the city of Omaha as a whole. He created for us a love for its people and a desperation to heal the brokenness of racial divide and human trafficking and homelessness and apathy and broken families. And he built up a love for the many people represented and the several walks of life they are walking right now. And then all of a sudden, at once, when we didn't feel prepared and we were certainly under-resourced, he said, go. While this vision is bigger than Omaha, God has positioned Eric and I right here for a reason. Downtown Omaha is the heartbeat of this city, but the Midwest is the heartbeat of this country. We call it the heartland. And Omaha, Nebraska is nearly in the dead center. We are uniquely positioned here to bring the message of Jesus to underreached communities all over the country. So we went right into this place that he had been sending us this place known as the hardest to reach area of the city spiritually, downtown Omaha. Though it's all the way to the east, like we said, downtown Omaha is the heartbeat of the city. It's it's an epicenter. It's where the biggest growth of the city is being experienced. Yet there are fewer churches here than in any other neighborhood in town. Several churches and pastors have, ourselves included, have tried and failed to create a long-lasting, healthy, thriving, growing, sustainable congregation in downtown Omaha. But here we are, moving forward. And it's time for us to share the people, the the vision with more people to move it forward. The God-sized vision of Dwell Church is to build a far-reaching, spirit-empowered church planted in underreached communities for all people to experience God. Dwell Church, I stand in front of you today with a God-sized vision. But if I'm being honest, I feel a lack of provision. If I'm being real with you, I think I set more in one of those 10 spies that says, this is impossible, we can never do it, we don't have enough, than the two that say we can make it through. 
Right now, there are a few playing the part of the many. And that's what creates this feeling. Remember, a lack of provision will create division. There are many nights and mornings where Eric and I wake up and, and go to bed thinking about and praying about and dreaming for this church and for each of you. And we hear all the things that you're going through. You send us your best and worst moments in life. And we love that. We love that we get to be there for that. But sometimes we look at each other and we think, how are we going to do this? But God. God didn't ask just Eric and I to do it. He didn't ask a single man or a single woman to bring his people to the promised land. He didn't ask even just one tribe to complete the vision. He asked all of his people to play their part. His vision has continued well beyond the promised land and his God-sized vision is right here today in our city, Omaha, with your people with your family, with your coworkers, with the ones you love. And we asked him to send more resources and to provide a vision for them. Guess what he did? He sent you. God, I thank you today for each and every person sitting in this room. I pray that you would be making them brave and bold and prepared to move. God, I pray that you would be showing them their part in this God-sized vision that you have for the city of Omaha, their part to heal this land and, and let it know that it has a Savior, to let the people around them know that they have a Savior. God, I pray that you would be moving and bringing peace and comfort with this vision to each and every one of them so that Dwell Church can move forward, that we can be a part of the many moving your vision forward for the city of Omaha. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.